You're listening to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast. With this series, you can stay up to date with all the latest information and trends in the cybersecurity space by hearing from today's leading analysts, end users, and vendors so that you can be prepared for all scenarios to help protect your business. Hello and welcome to the next phase of Cybersecurity Podcast. Make sure you stay up to date with all of our latest episodes by subscribing on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or wherever you go for your podcasting needs. My name is Max Curtin, Head of Content here at EM360, and your host on today's podcast. Now, joining me this week is Christopher Fielder, who is the Director of Product Marketing at Arctic Wolf. Now, Christopher is going to lend his expertise on the common misconceptions of threat hunting and really what the industry is getting wrong. So, Christopher, welcome to the show and thanks for coming on today. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Very welcome. And I'm, I'm looking forward to diving into this topic because I think there's a, a lot of areas we need to explore and, as we said, misconceptions to clear up. But before we get to that point, would you mind just letting our listeners know a bit of background on yourself and maybe Arctic Wolf as well? Sure thing. So as you said, I'm director of product marketing with Arctic Wolf. So my experience is actually about 20 years in cybersecurity. So I come mostly from an operations background, you know, hands on keyboard. Uh, Just in the past few years, I started to get into the marketing side. So that was mainly because I was tired of not sleeping, right? And everyone's been there where you get that phone call at 2am and you got to immediately start working on something. So this has given me a little bit more sleep. And so I'm happy about that. And for Arctic Wolf, really what we say is that our goal is to end cyber risk. And we do that by providing security operations as a concierge service. So in other words, we understand that it's not another tool that's going to solve these problems that are out there. Instead, we offer the experts and the mentors that are really going to continually enhance the organizations that are out there and build up their security posture. Amazing stuff. No, that's that's great to hear and exactly why you're on the show today to kind of help us guide with that kind of experience. So so thank you for that. So let's delve into the the magical world of threat hunting then and see see if we can kind of iron out any issues around this because threat hunting has become, you know, a bit of a buzzword in the cybersecurity industry. But let's first of all define it. So what does it actually mean and why do you think it's significant for enterprise security today? Sure thing. But let me say that it is a buzzword, but we don't want to say that's a bad thing, right? So buzzwords, if something is getting a lot of buzz, there's probably a reason for it. And here it's getting a lot of buzz because it's solving an issue. Unfortunately, people are taking that threat hunting concept out of context. So if we're defining it, we have two things that we can do. We can do an academic definition, and that's threat hunting. It's proactively identifying malicious activities or security concerns within an organization. And that's either before they've been detected or they may have gone undetected entirely, right? So we're going out and hunting those. But when I'm explaining threat hunting, I like to do it kind of in an analogy, if that's okay. Mm -hmm. And so when I was in the Air Force, the U.S. Air Force, and I was in basic training, we had an an additional duty called fire watch. And these were people that, you know, 24 hours a day, we had somebody walk around the barracks and look to see if they could find a fire. And the reason they were doing this was to identify those fires early on. Yeah, we had smoke detectors and we had sprinkler systems, but you got to think, if a fire breaks out, by the time it triggers a smoke detector, it's already gotten quite large. And then if it triggers the sprinkler system, then you're just trading fire damage for water damage, right? Mm-hmm. By shutting it down. 
So what we identified that if you have somebody to actively patrol and catch a fire early on, then you could stop it from spreading. You could stop it from getting out of control. It's great to have those additional resources, but catch it early on. And that's the same concept here of threat hunting, really patrolling through the content and the data of your environment to see if you can find one of those threats before it escalates, before it becomes so large that you can't help but notice it. Very true. I like that analogy. I think that's one of the, the best ways I've heard it described. So I think that's that's perfect when we look at it. Um, and, and you're right. It, it's it's a great term to have and it's a great practice to get into and we'll get into later about how we how organizations should be doing effectively and what they need to be looking out for but i just want to again let's keep the show at the start with kind of a very good overview so this is going to be a a big question but what is the 2021 threat landscape like so far we're only five months in six months in at this point Um, and how is it impacting the threat hunting landscape Yeah. Remember early on when I said that I like to get more sleep? Well, it seems like lately that hasn't happening as much, right? Yeah. (laughs) There's no no shortage of work because there's no shortage of attacks and threats and compromises. As technology is evolving and it's becoming more like integrated into our daily lives and into business, threats are evolving to match it. And what that means is that these threats are just having an amazing impact on business, on what they can actually do. So the two that really come to mind for 2021, just in the past few months that we've been here, that's the Microsoft Exchange vulnerabilities that have become well-known and the Colonial Pipeline that we just heard about this weekend, right? Two very different things, but they have had just an amazing impact on what's actually occurred here. So I'm sure you're familiar with those two, right? Yes, yes. Yeah. And we can work threat hunting into both of those as well of, hey, maybe it could have helped, but we're dealing with a lot of ifs here, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's always easy to say what what could have happened, but we just have to make some assumptions here. Uh, With the exchange vulnerabilities, that is something that impacted a lot of individuals that are out there, people that were using that specific version of exchange that then would potentially have to go through their data and hunt to see, are they vulnerable? Do they have something that could be utilized? Were they compromised? And keeping an eye on it as well, right? So as soon as the data comes out about these vulnerabilities, we need to jump in and see, well, were we affected? And the quickest way to do that often is through a threat hunt. As for the Colonial Pipeline, that affected that one organization, but it was ransomware. And ransomware is not going away anytime soon, unfortunately, as much as we would love for it to, right? (laughs) But what we always say about ransomware is preventing it, that's great, but it's probably not going to happen because it hasn't happened yet, right? Sure, we've prevented some of it, but it's evolving and it's dodging prevention. So what do we have to do? We have to identify it in any way that we can. Sometimes that's through hunting. And this may be a gruesome analogy, but sometimes we have to cut off the finger to save the hand where we let a system get infected and then we isolate it and stop it from spreading. And sometimes that is from a threat hunt where we say, hey, that behavior looks like potential ransomware, shut it down. Exactly. It, it's um, two two great examples, and we're going to see many more over the next six months before we, we get to that point. We were talking at the top of the show, and yes, the pipeline is the hot news at the moment, but by the time this podcast comes out, unfortunately, there's probably going to be another story uh, that we, we could discuss. So it's that evolution, <laughs> is it? It's that evolution of what keeps us going, and you're spot on that we're stuck with ransomware forever. So it's, it's interesting to see how it is. And 
last year was obviously terrible as well in terms of threats and and issues and breaches that happen as well and it's and it seems to be a continuing trend that are going on and it's interesting what you're saying there about people not wanting to kind of do that threat hunt and and find it in the issue beforehand so i'm curious from that standpoint then where are businesses and their threat hunters kind of going wrong when it comes to detecting and isolating isolating sorry both basic and advanced threats yeah. So from a business standpoint, I think what's going wrong here is that everybody's looking for a silver bullet. It's no secret that we don't have enough experts out there. There are so many open jobs in the cybersecurity world. And rather than putting the emphasis and the time on training individuals and getting them to fill those positions, we're looking for tools that can do that for us. And that's never going to be the case. There are some great tools out there, but those tools have to be operated and ran by experts. So they're saying, hey, let me go out and buy this entire security stack of tools that they don't know how to utilize correctly, or they don't have enough people to utilize correctly. And, you know, I don't know about you, but me, I'm not concerned about a novice attacker with a myriad of the latest and greatest tools. Mm -hmm. I'm concerned about a seasoned attacker that knows one or two tools very, very well, right? And then attackers see defenders the same way. They're not concerned about somebody that's got, you know, a $100,000 security stack that is just overwhelming them and they can't use. They're concerned about the people that are experts and know how to resolve the issues. So that's where businesses, I believe, are really going wrong is they are not putting the emphasis on the people. Now, where are threat hunters going wrong here? I believe threat hunters are going wrong by being overburdened, right? And overwhelmed with what they're being asked to do. And that's from some people just not really understanding what the goal of threat hunting is, thinking that it is, again, that silver bullet of, hey, I have a threat hunter. All of my issues are resolved. That's not the case because that's not what they're designed to do. Yeah, I think I think that's a fair point to make. And just just to follow on from that, it it's a conversation I have again and again and again when whenever I kind of do these podcasts or, or we talk about, well, what's the problem? Why are we not responding to these in, in a certain way? And it's exactly what you said. It's it's having the resources, it's having the people. Do you think we're gonna be stuck in this continuous loop of this conversation, or do you think there's a way to kind of break it and, and get the resources behind the people? Or are we doomed just to, to rely on tools and apps? Well, I mean, uh, the the tools clearly are not fixing it. The tools are just that. They are tools. And I've said, you know, to other people before that the tools in the hands of a master can produce wonderful works of art. But in a novice, they're really not going to do anything. So we have to, if we ever want to get over this hurdle of all these breaches and threats that we're running into, we're going to have to put more into training individuals and allowing people to learn to become experts. So we need to break out of that cycle. The other vicious cycle that we're in is kind of a response cycle, right? And that's where we're so busy putting out these fires that when we put out one, we just circle back and then put out another. And that's because we're overwhelmed with alerts that are coming from all these tools. Hey, I just resolved one alert. Okay, now I've got 10,000 more that I need to look at. And we're not taking the time or we don't have the individuals to take a proactive approach and go through and say, okay, I just got 10 alerts. What is the commonality here? Is there a root issue that I can resolve to get rid of all those 10 alerts without going through and taking care of each one, one at a time? So busting out of that response cycle and taking a more proactive approach of, okay, 
Where are my issues underlying? How can I resolve these? How can I make sure that they aren't utilized by an attacker? And that's kind of the point of threat hunting as well, right? Is proactively going through and identifying that. Exactly that, exactly that. It seems like at the moment everyone's doing firewatch, as you said, but the difference is everything's on fire. And that's the, <laughs> that's the problem that we're facing. Um, let's talk about, obviously, back to threat hunting there. So I got a bit sidetracked with, because uh, it's always interesting to figure out different people's thoughts on uh, on solving that issue. But w- we've talked about threat hunting and the idea of it being the silver bullet that can, that can solve issues. And let's just bring it in. Problem solved. So... Talk to me more about some of the fundamental misconceptions about threat hunting and and why do organizations need to be aware of them before they start implementing this kind of process? Sure. So I think there's two big misconceptions when it comes to threat hunting. First is what is the goal of threat hunting, right? A lot of people define it by the name itself, threat hunting, going through and identifying a threat, searching through your environment to see if you can find an active attacker. And that is one part of it. But I always say that if a threat hunter is able to identify an attacker every time they do a hunt, that doesn't point to an amazing threat hunter. That points to a really poor security posture of that organization. It shouldn't be that way. Instead, we call it threat hunting, but really it's identifying not only threats, but also the potential for threats. So if you'll indulge me here to go back to my analogy before of like Firewatch, right, Mm -hmm. where you have somebody walking around looking for a fire. That might not be all that they see. They might also see the potential for a fire where they see a, you know, a space heater has been knocked over or combustible material next to the uh, the furnace, right? And -hmm. they can take action on that and prevent a fire from occurring. A threat hunter can also identify the potential for a threat. So they need to be tasked with not, hey, go out there and find me an active attacker because they're probably not going to find one every time. But what you can say is, I want my threat hunter to find something, something to enhance my security posture every time they do a hunt, whether that is an active attacker or evidence of a previous attacker or a vulnerability, a weakness, something that can be improved. And even you have to think of what that threat hunter is doing. They're executing searches. They're looking through the data. They're collecting data. And now they have the potential to take those searches, take those activities they've done, And then turn that into like a passive detection mechanism in a way that can automate that search again. You know, if you are retyping the same search multiple times, you're doing it wrong. You shouldn't have to retype the same thing multiple times. Save it and say, okay, well, I did that search, didn't find anything, but let me save it so that next time it can run by itself or I can set it to run and see if it finds anything. Does that all make sense? Yeah, completely. I think that's, that's the best way to kind of approach it. Well, great. And then the second misconception, I think, is that every organization needs to be doing it right now. And that's not necessarily the case because it's a matter of maturity. And when I say that, I mean security maturity, right? Uh, we all want to just jump in and just start running and doing the, uh, the threat hunting. But that's not always the case. We have to make sure that we have the fundamentals covered first. So it needs to be that crawl, walk, run method where we make sure, okay, let's make sure that we have visibility into the environment. Let's make sure that we have, you know, a prevention tool that we like, that we know what our environment even looks like. You know, that is a major challenge. Some people don't even know what it is they're trying to secure. And then once, (laughs) once we have those fundamentals down and we're confident that, Hey, you know what? 
98% of threats will be detected or we will be prevented, then you can move into that threat hunting concept of saying, okay, now to get to 100%, I'm going to have my threat hunters look for those things that couldn't be identified. That way we're not overwhelming them and having them do the job that could be done by machine learning or you know IOCs or signatures or whatever it may be that detects. Definitely. I think that's a whole other podcast that we could do on that subject matter for sure, isn't it? <laughs> oh, yes. But no, I think that's that's an excellent explanation. I hope uh, a lot of businesses' ears are pricking up at this point and going, okay, this makes a lot more sense of why we need to bring it in. Um, so we've talked about, obviously, the overview of, um, of threat hunting. We've spoken about what businesses need to be doing. But let's talk to the people who actually do this for a living, the, the, the actual threat hunters out there, to, to kind of wrap up the show here. So we know from this that it's it's all about being proactive rather than reactive. So how can threat hunters best achieve this goal and ensure that their approach is robust? Oh, there's many ways. First, I would say, don't be scared. Don't be scared of what you're producing, right? That goes back to what we just talked about, which is you don't have to produce a evidence of a threat every time, right? Or an active attacker produce something, Show that you're increasing the security posture a little bit each time. And visibility. Visibility is absolutely key. If you do not have complete visibility into your environment, then you can't do a successful threat hunt. Sure, you might find some things, but you don't know what you don't know, if that makes sense, right? So know what your environment looks like. That's full visibility into all the endpoints, into the entire network infrastructure, into the cloud resources, all the different devices that are out there. Make sure you have access to those logs. Make sure, again, that you have all of your bases covered so that you can then start actually threat hunting. So it's collecting this, you know, you've heard the term data lake, but it's more like a data sea, the sea of information. And then once you have that sea of information, hold your nose and jump in, right? Yes. <laughs> just go for it. And then just start seeing what you can find. Go through. If anything, you know, uh, as you said before, your ears perk up and you go, oh, this looks interesting or this looks weird, chase it down. And sure, you might not find anything, but you at least know now, hey, okay, well, that's good. I don't need to worry about that over there. Let me follow this path and just start testing it out. Form hypotheses and then start testing those hypotheses. And then, the last thing I'll really say is that be aware of what attackers are doing. Never stop learning. Learn as much as you possibly can. Start to think, okay, how would I attack this environment? And then start to form hypotheses around that and then follow those different paths. Say, okay, well, maybe I would go after this device or maybe I would go after this account and look for evidence around that and start to build out that broader picture. But again, it goes back to just testing and practicing and not being afraid to see what paths you can go down. Expertly said. I think uh, that is a perfect note to end on, and hopefully that's given some some inspiration or a little kick to any fret hunters who are listening out there. We hope you've taken a lot away from it. So, Christopher, I, I could keep this conversation going all evening, but we've uh, we should probably <laughs> let our listeners go. But thank you for coming on and giving your insights into all of this. It's been great having you here. No, thank you so much for inviting me, and I really do appreciate your time. This has been excellent. Excellent. Well, thank you once again. And thank you, everyone who took the time to listen to this episode. We we do hope you took a lot away from this. If you're looking for more information, or you want to kind of just understand what uh, Arctic Wolf does a little bit better, they do have some great resources on there. And uh, some great facts as well about the effect 
effectiveness of cybersecurity. So go check that out at arcticwolf.com. I believe there's a report as well that's just come out. So make sure you go check that out for the security operations report. But uh, that's a wrap on this week's episode. We'll be back next time with another episode in this series. Until then, as I said, please subscribe to this podcast on all major platforms. Join in the conversation at em360tech on Twitter and LinkedIn. And of course, if you're looking for more great daily content, head on over to em360tech.com. Thank <laughs> you.